how many were able to get the Bible study, but if you didn't, I do have all the scriptures listed on the handout. And the study that we're doing is chapter one, an invitation to intimacy. Didn't we just hear that? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, becoming a woman of prayer. So maybe we could pray that prayer together that's in the beginning there where it says God of your goodness. Let's pray that out loud together as a body, as one body, one voice to our bridegroom in heaven. God of your goodness, give us yourself for you are sufficient for us. I cannot properly ask anything less to be worthy of you. If I were to ask less, I should always be in want. In you alone do I have all. And again, we just heard that. We just heard that. So it's obvious the Lord wants to bring us into what we just prayed together. And he's going to do it as a body, as individuals, but as a body. The scripture that was for this week from Jeremiah 33.3 from New King James says, Call to me and I will answer you. That should be very encouraging to know that whenever you call to the Lord, he has promised, I will answer you. And show you great and mighty things. In the new uh, NIV version says, unsearchable things, which you do not know. So it is the heart of the Father to reveal himself to us, but then too, to reveal to us the things that are on his heart that he wants us to know. And that only comes through being intimate with him, spending time with him, like Jeff just said, being in the chambers with him. Because when you think about a relationship with a husband and wife and the intimacy, it's usually in the chambers, right? If I could say it that way. That's what the Father's looking for from us, that kind of bridal heart, that heart that is so caught up in him that we don't want anyone else but him. And it's like Jeff said, when you taste that, you see everything else for what it is. It's a lie. You see everything else as a lie, a deception. It's not what I was created for, what you were created for. When you have that intimacy with him, you realize this is what I was created for, to be one with him, totally one with him, just like a husband and wife are one, you know, one in their will, one in the spirit. This was so beautiful how Cynthia from the Bible study healed, I think I said her last name right, I'm not sure, but she said the, just think about this, the eternal, sovereign, majestic God of the universe wants to be intimate with us. He wants us to call, to cry, to sing to him. He longs to love, to refresh, to encourage us. He wants to answer our call and to tell us great and unsearchable things. God wants us to know that he's always ready to commune. He's always ready to listen. He wants to be so much a part of our lives that we would naturally come to him at all times. He tells us that we have freedom to call to him wherever we are about anything on our hearts. He delights in being involved with his children and prayer is his gift and his invitation to intimacy. Isn't that beautiful? How can we resist this kind of love that's pure? He's not even thinking of himself. He's thinking about us what he wants to give to us. You know, usually our love is, what am I gonna get out of it? You know, when we're in a relationship, what am I gonna get out of it? Or even in marriage, what am I gonna get out of it? But he has no thought of himself. He's just looking to see how can I come to you and reveal myself to you so that you will know me, really know me. And that only comes again by going to the secret place with him. That's why it's so important 
when you hear him calling you or drawing you to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Because he does call us and draw us. He nudges us to come to him. Doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing. It could be a simple thing as going outside on your deck, sitting in the chair, and just getting quiet. Here I am. Here I am. The, the second point there that we see, God invites us to pray. That was one of the highlights that she made in this Bible study. And she used Jeremiah 29. 11 through 14, and really the context of this portion of scripture was when after the 70 years of, we studied the book of Habakkuk, if you remember, they were going to go into exile for 70 years, the children of Israel, because they had been disobedient to God, but he made a promise that he would visit them and perform his good work towards them and cause them to return to Jerusalem for where they had left. So we hear the scripture a lot, but this is really what the Lord has made a promise to Israel. And the reason why I'm saying this is so that we could see how God kept his promise. After the 70 years was up, Israel went back. Israel's there now as a nation. I know I bring that up a lot too in Bible study, but that's huge because God made a promise to Abraham way back when and we are the generation that have seen that promise fulfilled. And when you think about it, what, who did, God called Abraham a friend, friend of God. You know, so when you think about it, that means relationship, intimacy he had with Abraham, that he was able to reveal these things to him. But in Jeremiah, Jeremiah the prophet, he said, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, Think about the tender-heartedness of God. Even though they went into captivity and they came out 70 years later, he gave him this word, this promise. I know the thoughts I think towards you. This is how I think about you. This is how I see you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. And again, God kept his promise. He kept his promise. And, you know, I almost wonder, because at that time, Ezekiel and Daniel were also prophesying. And I wonder if they just held on to these promises that God had given them, despite what it looked like. I mean, they were in exile. They were in captivity. But God made a promise to them. And boy, were they holding on to that. And you see, when you look at the prayers of the prophets, you see all they would do was pray back to God what he already promised to them. I mean, think about that. They believed what God said, that he was going to do it. They had that intimacy with him that they didn't doubt that God would not keep his word. That's where the Lord wants to bring us. That we have such a knowledge of him in that intimacy that we don't doubt him for anything he has said in his word that he is going to do or what he says about himself. We just simply believe. We just believe. We don't even question it or reason, well, how's this going to work out, or just run it through our head that we drive ourselves crazy and everyone else around you crazy. <laughs> you know, just talking about something. Instead of simply believing what he said. So God invites us to pray. And when you think about Daniel, he three times would pray, but he would pray towards Jerusalem, facing Jerusalem. You know, and just to be in the room with him, to hear how he was praying, wouldn't that have been something, right? The intimacy he had with God, 
and praying God's promise to them because he was a teenager at the time when he went into captivity. So the promise to us as believers now, New Testament believers, God's plan for us is to bring us into the new heavens and the new earth that he has promised in Revelation 21 through 22. The bridegroom, we heard about, we are the bride. He's the bridegroom. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I'm preparing a place for you, I'm gonna come back for you. But at the same time, there's gonna come a time too where I'm gonna to return to this earth with the saints and the, not the angels, but the saints that have gone before us and I'm gonna recapture what the enemy has stolen. I'm gonna create a new heavens and a new earth and the curse is gonna to be totally gone. If we are the bride of Christ, we should be yearning for that. When we read that in the scripture, especially in the Old Testament, there should be something in us saying, yes, I can't wait for that day. Could still be a thousand years away. I don't know, 500 years away, but God, I can't wait for that day to come. I can't wait to be one with you in that way and one with your people with no hangups. None of us are going to have any more hang-ups ever, 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 ever again. Isn't that going to be awesome? <laughs> In the meantime, you think about Jeremiah's time. We're looking again at what they went through. They went into captivity. We live here as exiles and sojourners here on earth, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, and chapter 2, verse 11. And we should be waiting for the new creation in which righteousness dwells. There should be desire in our heart for that, Second Peter 3.13. So, Jesus invites us to ask God in prayer for this to happen. We should be praying these kinds of prayers. Pray bigger than our little world that we live in. Because God wants to do something greater. But unless you're intimate with him, you don't know these things or you don't see these things. But when you're intimate with him in his word, he reveals these things to you. In your spirit, you read this and you know this is truth. This is truth. This is truth. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what they're saying. This is truth. And if God said it, I could pray this back to him. And I could have confidence that he's going to answer this prayer. I may see it in my generation. I may not. But it's okay. Because I still believe it. And we remember with the heroes of faith, right? They died not seeing the promise, but they all had a good testimony of faith. The same for, for us, could be the same testimony. God promised that he will work all things for our eternal good, even the suffering he ordains for us. We see that in Romans 8, 28. So Romans 8, 14 through 17, we're still looking at. God invites us to pray. Scripture says, therefore, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's an intimate term right there. Jesus cried that out from the depths of his heart, Abba. Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And that word Abba, Father, is an aromatic, aromatic word used by Jesus and Paul to address God in a relationship of personal intimacy. Again, the very thing we heard tonight. God wants us to 
really believe him in the way that Jesus did and Paul did. We see that in the scriptures, Galatians 4, 6. I'm just going to jump to that. And because Paul said, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. That's intimate. And I know some of us may have a hard time with that because we didn't have that kind of relationship with our dad. But it doesn't change the fact of who God is. It doesn't change the fact of who he is. God, our father, Abba Father, is not like our earthly father. Thank God. And God is inviting us into this intimate relationship with himself to know him in that way. So when you come to him as a daughter, as an heir, as a joint heir, your inheritance, right? We looked at some time we are in Christ. He wants us to come with the assurance that when we cry out to him and pray, he hears us. Again, I can't help think of Samantha when Lucas cries. I mean, you run to him, right? You want to comfort him. You want to, what's wrong? You know, you want to be there for him. How much more Heavenly Father? How much more him? That's a beautiful example. The ones in this room that have little babies, every time they cry out, just think about that. How when you are with your Father in Heaven, don't let the enemy keep lying to you. He loves to lie to us, saying, you can't come, you can't come. So two of the scriptures that she gave us in this portion for the point that we're looking at, God invites us to pray. In Revelations 3, 14 through 22, and in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, look at his heart. Look at your Abba Father's heart as we read these scriptures. Because sometimes, as we're reading the scriptures, we're looking at the harshness of some of the words. I mean, sometimes you have to be strong with your kids, right? When they're not listening to you, they're not obeying you, right? You have to. But it's love. And that's what you need to see, it's his heart. And Jesus gave this to John to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write these things, says the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works. This is amazing because this is, again, what we heard Jeff was saying earlier when he was talking to Adam, that you are neither cold nor hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you might see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now as I read that, what stood out to you the most? He wants them to come back to him for the purpose of intimacy. Yeah, for the purpose of intimacy. What else do you see there? He wants to dine with us. He wants to dine with us. Yeah, and us with him. Yeah. That we look outside of him for everything that we need and we have nothing apart from him. 
Right. That he has everything he needs. So yeah. he's trying to go find other places. Yes. And it's a call. It's really a love call that come back here. I think of Isaiah 55. Why do you spend your wages on what does not satisfy? You know, let your soul delight itself in abundance. You see his heart. I mean, with everything that you see in scripture, when it seems like God is disciplining or being hard or rebuking us, it's always with the motive of love behind it because he knows what we really need is him. How many of us have run all over the place in this world and come up empty and we finally said, okay, might as well try Jesus, right? C.S. Lewis said, God will have us after we've had everything else and we come to him because there's nothing better to have. So we come to him. That's my testimony. Running around, doing everything, empty, brokenhearted, crushed, everything. But I always knew where to cry out to. To the point that I had a fire once in my apartment. This was way before I met Jeff. This, it was a, like two years before I met Jeff. And I used to have this Jesus picture in my bedroom and I had a fire in my apartment in the middle of the night and my, the heater got my, my mattress was burning and I threw, uh, I'm gonna be Miss Fireman, I threw water on it and forget it. That was like, when the firemen got to my apartment, they read me the riot act. They said, you could have burned down this whole building. But I was determined to get this fire out. And the smoke was so thick, I kept hitting the light and I couldn't see anything. And I saw a faint light, that's how thick the smoke was. So my neighbor heard me scream and when I went out to his apartment, he came out and here, the first thing I said to him, I need a cigarette. So he gives me a cigarette, I had to go to the bathroom. My eyes, well you could see the white in my eyes, I was awful of black. I was black. But I had that picture of Jesus in my apartment. Do you know I went back in that apartment, that was the first thing and the only thing I grabbed. That's all I wanted. So even in my messed up condition, I knew I need him. I need him. I don't know what that man is in the picture, <laughs> but I knew I needed Jesus. And he's telling us, if you cry out to me, I hear you and I will draw you and I will reveal myself to you. And he has, and he continues to, he continues to, because he wants intimacy with us. And he'll let whatever come, let us go down whatever pathway so we can come to the end of ourselves and come into finally what he wants us to have with him. And then again, we realize this is what I was created for. It's created for him. It's created for him. Abba Father, so we see his heart there. He just wants us to dine. He wants to dine with us, but he's the one knocking. No, he's knocking. How hard does he have to knock? Right? Or can you respond to the little? Or does it boom, boom, boom? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's just one story I have. Plenty of stories. It was a hard head. I was a hard at BJ. So that gives you hope. There's a quote that says, to pray is to let Jesus come into our hearts. This teaches us in the first place that it's not our prayer which moves the Lord Jesus. It is Jesus who moves us to pray because he knocks. That's what we see in that Revelation passage that we read. Thereby, he makes known his desire to come into us. Our prayers are always a result of Jesus's knocking at the heart's door. Will you let me in? 
Would you let me in? Would you let me in? You see it again in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. An invitation. I feel like I can't do this anymore. I'm so done. I'm so done. And he's saying, come to me. I have what you need. Come to my throne of grace. You need grace? I have a lot of grace I can give to you. See, God invites us. What we see in the scripture, God invites us. But then he waits for us. How long are we going to make him keep waiting? You know, because you keep putting invitations out after a while. It's like, I mean, if you kept inviting someone over to your house and they kept saying no, would you keep inviting them? He would. (laughs) He would. But we, like, have a limit. Forget it. Not him. He's like, would you just come to me? I want to give myself to you. I want to bless you. I want to make myself known to you. I want you to know me. I want to be your Abba Father. I have what you need. I have what you need. I love this. Spurgeon said about God's throne. It is a throne set up on purpose for the dispersion of grace and from which every utterance is an utterance of grace. The scepter that stretched out from its silver scepter of grace, the decrees proclaimed from it are purposes of grace. The gifts that are scattered down its golden steps are gifts of grace. And he who sits upon the throne is grace himself. That is the throne of grace that we approach when we pray is a mighty source of encouragement to all of us who are praying men and women. And I've heard someone say once before about God's throne of grace. It's a welcoming face. Grace is his welcoming face that says, you're welcome here. He's your Abba. You're welcome. You're welcome to come into my presence. Not because of any righteousness of your own. It's all based on my son. What Jesus has done on the cross, the blood that he shed. I believe in that blood. I believe in that blood. I believe in that blood. I know that's the only way I'm getting into heaven. Not because of what I did in the ministry. Nothing. It's only because of the blood of the Lamb of God that I answer in. And confessing my sin on a daily basis, how much I need that blood. But then his welcoming faces, you're welcome to come. Come closer. Come closer. I I want you to come closer. I mean, we heard that tonight. We shouldn't be satisfied where we're at. I'm not, and I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and I am not satisfied because I know there's more. There's more. You can go as deep into God as you want. You can just scratch the surface, or you can plunge in, all the way in. The third point there is God is pleased when we pray. Psalm 141, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist said, Lord, I cry out to you, make haste to me, give ear to me, give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. 
And I couldn't help but when I read that verse, thinking about day and night, night and day, let and sense arise, right? Revelations 8, 3 and 4 says, Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. There is an altar in that unseen realm where Jesus is at. He's the great high priest that stands there with his blood. And he was given much incense that he offered it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hands. John Owen gives a description of what this is in that unseen realm that we can't see but it's very real and active right at this moment. And this is good to go through this, so next time we sing that song, we know what we're singing. We know what it means. John Owen said there is a fourfold resemblance between prayer and incense. The first in that it was beaten and pounded before it was used, referring to the incense. So does acceptable prayer proceed from a broken and contrite heart. You've had times like that where you've prayed out of a broken and contrite heart. And that was sweet incense to the Lord. It was a sweet incense in his nostrils. Number two, it was of no use until fire was put under it and that taken from the altar. Nor is that prayer of any virtue or efficacy which is not kindled by the fire from above. The Holy Spirit of God, which we have from our altar, Jesus Christ. And now this is referring to the Old Testament, how they used to come when they went into the temple, but now there's a temple in heaven where Jesus is at. And that's what you see in the book of Revelation. You keep seeing what's happening here on earth, but then you see what's happening in heaven. What's happening on earth, what's happening in heaven. It's just contrast all the way through, all the way through, all the way through, all the way through. And it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist. Number three, it naturally ascends upward towards heaven as all offerings in the Hebrews are called ascensions or rising up. So again, this is what our prayers are like to the Lord. Sweet incense before his throne. And in the Old Testament, they used to offer up these prayers, these incense, these sacrifices twice a day. Twice a day, day and night. Number four, it yielded a sweet savor which was one end of it in temple services, whereas there was so much burning of flesh and blood. When you look in the Old Testament, see how many bulls and just every animal they had to bring, I mean, thousands slaughtering them, how much blood. So does prayer yield a sweet savior unto God, a savior of rest wherein he is pleased, well pleased. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he said, it's finished. You don't have to kill all these bulls, these goats, all these animals to come before God. I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we put our faith and trust in him as the Lamb of God and bring him before a holy God. Lord, I'm approaching you based on what Jesus has done, based on his blood. He is my offering that I bring to you. You're welcome. You're welcome in my presence. Tell me what's on your heart. Psalm 47, seven, God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. 
God is sovereign, he's supreme, he rules the whole earth with wisdom and justice. And whenever we praise him, we are told to do it with understanding that he is a great God. And again, if you go back to the beginning of the Bible study where she said this majestic being that created us wants to be intimate with us. Who can wrap their mind around that? Really? I mean, who can really wrap their mind around that? But he's our creator. He's our creator. We were made for him. We were made for his will and his good pleasure, we see in the scripture. Oswald Chambers said, when a man is born from above, the life of the Son of God is born in him. Listen to what this says. This is powerful. He said, and he could either starve that life or nourish it. Prayer is the way of life of God. Prayer is the way the life of God is nourished. Our ordinary views of prayer are not found in the New Testament. We look upon prayer as a means of getting things for ourselves, but the Bible's idea of prayer is that we, we may get to know God himself. Intimacy. That's how I knew I was supposed to teach the class tonight because that's what Jeff shared. Intimacy, God's after that. It's obvious if he's speaking it to the church and has laid it to, you know, for the ladies to do this now, it's obvious he wants to bring us into something greater than we've ever known, like we heard. Yeah. We shouldn't be satisfied with what we have. There's so much more. But we have to be the ones to go into the chamber with the king. David's prayer for intimacy in Psalm 27, verse 7 and 8 he said, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. And is that our response? When we hear him calling us, when he, we hear him drawing us, when we look back at these points, the realities of God invites us to pray. And he's pleased when we pray, when we come to him. And prayer is really just being with him, spending time at his feet, day and night, night and day, just spending time with him, being intimate with him. You could just say, Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. I really love you. You amaze me. Jesus, you're like no one I have ever, ever met before. No one has ever loved me the way you have. No one's ever pursued me the way you have. With all my blemishes and blots and all the ugly stuff you see in my heart. And yet you still want me. It is amazing. It really is amazing. This is a beautiful testimony from Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor <clears throat> wrote of his struggles to find a closer walk with God. Although he's considered one of history's greatest missionaries, he longed for a more intimate relationship with God. This is his testimony. He said, I prayed, I agonized, I fasted, I strove, I made resolutions, read the word more diligently, saw more time for retirement and meditation, but all was without effect, he penned. I knew that if I would abide in Christ, all would be well, but I couldn't. Taylor reached the turning point in his life when he received a letter from a colleague with this message. Friendship with God comes not from striving after faith, but from resting in the faithful one. Didn't we hear that tonight? God wants to bring us to that place of not striving, but a place of rest. Those simple words, Hudson said, unlocked something and helped him cross a threshold in his relationship with Jesus. 
He was able to cease striving and embrace Christ's nearness, power, and life. So there's some thoughts here that I want you to consider. I read a, a book, I had gone to it once before, it's called Secrets in the Secret Place. I read it years ago and in June, I felt led when I got to New York to read it again. It's like a daily devotional, so I went through it again. And then uh, I'm gonna go through this with you on the reset, because some of you had questions last week on the reset page that was there, but he also had another book, 20 Day Reset. So when we had the special meetings, I said, well, that would be good to do before the meetings to do this reset. So I went through that too. And this is some of the things that he had in both of their books that I took notes. He said, the way you come to abide in Christ will be different from others. And you hear me say this a lot, don't compare. We, we shouldn't be comparing ourselves with one another. Because when you think about intimacy, isn't that different for all of us? So we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to one another. The way you come to abide in Christ will be different from others. We all abide differently because we are all uniquely fashioned by God. Your relationship with Jesus will never be like mine and mine will never be like yours. You have to shut the door, get into the secret place with Christ and discover what an abiding relationship with him looks like for you. That would be good to take that paragraph and just ponder it, chew on it. Just, Lord, what are you saying to me through this? What are you saying to me through this? How does this intimacy with you look like for me, with you? Where do you want to take me in this? Because it's your own intimate relationship with him. You know what I'm saying? So we have to believe by faith what Jesus told us, right? In Matthew 6, 6, when you go into your room, when you go to pray and you go into your room, when you shut the door, pray to your Abba Father who is in secret, in the secret place. He's already there. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. So some thoughts to ponder about what Jesus said there. Your father is already in that secret place waiting for you. We already looked at scripture that said that. Call to me, cry out to me, that throne of mercy and grace. He's waiting for you in that secret place, wherever that is for you. When you leave here, when you go home, when you're able to get away from the husband, the kids, the dog, what, the cat or whatever it might be, whatever distraction, because they're all around the phone, whatever it might be, the cock-a-doodle-doo. -doo. <laughs> I used to have one of those, and Jeff shot him. <laughs> Too much cock-a-doodle-doo, so he shot him. <laughs> but, but just keep that in mind. My father is here waiting for me. He's gone ahead of me. I heard a testimony, this was years ago, of a missionary in the jungle. And he used to always in the middle of the night go and spend time with the Lord at that particular time. And there was one time that he missed his time with the Lord. And when he finally went, because he got caught up in something else, there was a light there shining in that dark place. And he said, God kept his appointment and he was waiting for him. That was his testimony. Yeah, that was powerful. That was powerful. So the moment you get into the secret place, you're in the Father's presence. If you've determined this is gonna be our place, he's there waiting for you. Arms wide open. 
Yeah, he might discipline us while we're there. You know, that attitude you had, you really need to repent of it because you think you're all this and that, but you're not. <laughs> all right, Lord, I repent of my pride. But get that out of the way immediately. So then you can be intimate with him. Whatever he points out, don't just sit there and say, no, nah, it's not really, it wasn't that bad. You know how we can do. No, Lord, you're right. I was wrong. I was totally wrong. I repent. I shouldn't have dealt with that the way I did. But thank you for the blood of Jesus. It's done. It's done. Okay, now we can have that intimate time together now. The secret place, this is another thought to take with you tonight, is your portal to the throne room of God. It's the place where you can taste of heaven in that place. I'm sure you've all had times with the Lord that the Lord just comes so near. I, I text Jesse every now and then in the morning <laughs> whenever this happens. Sometimes I'm having my quiet time and this thing out of the clear blue starts playing music to me, worship songs. And God's ministering to me through it. I didn't even touch anything on this thing. And I'm usually texting the same. He's doing it again. He's singing over me right now. This is like crazy. And it started happening. <laughs> whatever. I mean, whatever. Yeah. And one day I was like really down. I mean, one morning I was really down. And all the songs that kept playing, I mean, they started playing on their own. And every song brought me back to when the Lord saved me. Even the worship songs we used to do back then, I was just like, you're so amazing. There was nothing I could say or do. I was just like, he really does sing over us. He sings over us. So the secret place is your portal to the throne room of God and the place where you can taste of heaven itself. If that gets in us, we're going to run to that place. We're not going to be dragging our feet around, not in the mood or whatever, you know. So 20-day reset. If some of you see, okay, I need a reset. I need to reset so I can get on the track that the Lord wants me to be on. We have the first point there is desire. Jesus is motivating you with a strong desire to pray, to spend time with him. So... If you don't have that desire, ask. Just ask him. Be honest with him. Lord, I don't feel like it. I'd rather sleep in or I'd rather do this or the other thing. But Lord, I know you want to be with me. So give me desire. Now, when he wakes you up at 3 in the morning, 2 in the morning, and you're getting ticked off because it's 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, remember your prayer. Because he will do that. He'll get you up before all the distractions start, if you're serious. But then he'll look and see how serious are you. So desire, Lord, give me desire. Give me greater desire. Decide, decide to devote at least 20 minutes a day for the next 20 days to prayer. Lord, I'm going to give you 20 minutes. If you already do an hour, two hour, whatever, Lord, I'm going to give you more time. Or maybe I'll give you some time in the afternoon. Or maybe I'll give you time at night, too. Remember, it's intimacy. He wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to reveal things to us. He wants to show us things that are coming. Just like with Jeremiah. They, he knew they were all going to go into captivity. But he prepared the prophets. He told the prophets ahead of time what was coming so that they could pray and believe God. But God, you said, even though we deserve judgment, we deserve because of the sins that we see unfolding in our nation and all around. God, you promised that you're going to come again one day and the nations are dropping the bucket to you. They're all going to bow down before you. Oh, how I long for that day. I long for that day. I want to be a witness to see that day. So decide to devote at least 20 minutes a day for the next 20 days. So you could do a 20-day reset. Reach. 
reach out to him. Refuse to allow any past failures to derail you. Get back in there and reach forward. Lord, I haven't been faithful. Lord, I've been fooling around. Lord, I've been distracted by a million things, but I am going to keep reaching forward and keep reaching forward and keep reaching forward by the grace of God. Remember, his throne of mercy and grace is there to help us, to really help us. Fight. Demonize every distraction to prayer. This is a war. Know that when you make a decision to go into the chambers, it's a war zone as well. It's a war zone. Because the mind will start going on this and I have to do this, I have to do that, and maybe your husband keeps coming in and out of the room and all the dogs are barking and it's like, come on already. <laughs> okay, this obviously is not the right secret place to me, so. And the Lord will change those places for you. This morning, he was so clear. We had our morning prayer time with Glenn and Jesse, a few of us from church pray at 6.30 on um, Wednesday mornings. And as we were having our prayer time, I just sensed the Holy Spirit said, go downstairs. I want you back down there. It's like, okay. Carried everything I had and just put it back down there. Because I have been in my room for a while. Then I go out on the deck or I go all over the place. But today was so clear, I want you downstairs. It's like, okay. You got something for me down there. I went. <laughs> I went. So, but realize you're in a war zone. Even though there's that intimacy there, the enemy's going to fight against, and your flesh is going to fight against drawing near to God. Place. We draw to the same place every day for prayer. Try to stick to it at the same time of the day when you're at your best. If you know I'm exhausted in the morning, I can't, I'm just so tired. But I'm better after I get the kids all squared away and they had their breakfast, they're working on their, their chores or whatever. I could grab a half hour, 20 minutes, just to be with the Lord. That's what works for you. Remember, your intimate time is not gonna look like mine and mine's not gonna look like yours. The point is that we're spending time with him. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Repent as needed. Be cleansed. Be washed with Christ's blood and enter with confidence into your Father's arms. Give thanks. Make thanksgiving and prayer your opener. There's a reason why when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he said, start off with our Father who art in heaven. Worship him. Worship him. Yeah, worship him. Pray read. Pray read the scriptures as you read them. There's times when I'm reading scripture and I just start praying them back to the Lord or just talk to the Lord. It's just like, Lord, you know, that's really something now that this is, I see this happening right now. It's amazing. This is happening right now. Talk to him. He says, he's there and then you say yeah your word is true your word really is true and what you say is just happening right before my eyes find a psalm if you need some vocabulary for your prayers use the psalms as prayers psalms are wonderful expresses every kind of emotion you could think of. Lord, I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed. I'm discouraged. I have no hope. I'm tired. I feel like enemies. I'm surrounded by enemies. This is all David's testimonies. We could use them as prayers. Even though he expressed all those emotions, but then he would start worshiping God who he is. But you, O oh Lord, but you, O oh Lord, but you, O oh Lord. Listen during the 20-day reset. Learn how to listen to the still voice of the Holy Spirit. Yes, talk, but even better, listen to what God is saying to you through his word and the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna share this, what happened on Sunday. 
in the morning. I had my time with the Lord, and I just like I'm trying to take my husband. You know, he's saying, "Yeah, we really all need to be preparing our hearts before coming to service." So he was saying, "I wonder how many people are really preparing their hearts for the service." I'm like, "I don't know, Jeff." He's always asking me these kind of questions. So we're driving in, and I'm like, "Okay, Lord, just make us all sensitive. Just make us all sensitive to whatever you want to do this Sunday." So the whole worship time. I'm sensing Justin has a word for the church. And I could shake it from the beginning of service to the end of service. Justin has a word for the church. So I'm sitting next to Jeff and I'm looking at him and the Holy Spirit says, go over to him. Now that took a step of faith. I was telling Glenn and Jesse about it this morning. I said, because he could have told me no. <laughs> you know, but I went over to him. I said, Justin, do you have a word for the body of Christ here today? He said, I do. I said, I knew it. I said, well, you need to give it. So that's why he went up and shared, and it really closed out the whole service. We want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in that way. But that's only going to come when you're spending time with him, you know, and you're, you're learning how to listen. Like when he says, I want you downstairs, okay. Right. Or he has a word, okay. I want you to go over to him and ask him. But what if he says, no, I want you to go over there and ask him, okay. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but you cultivate that in your intimate time with him alone. That's how you cultivate that. And he wants to use all of you in that way, all of you. We are the body of Christ. All of us have different gifts, but we're all to use those gifts that God has given to each and every one of us to edify one another, to build one another up. And that's where you have to find, Lord, where, how do you want to use me? When do you want me to speak? When do you not want me to speak? When do you want me to just not say nothing? And I'm okay with that. If I don't say anything, I just want to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, to your voice. So you can journal, record and review any, everything noteworthy that comes to mind in your notebook. I, you know how I say this a lot, write everything down, write it down, write it down, because he'll just confirm it when you come to service. Whatever he's speaking to you in that secret place, he will confirm it for you in service. And I know some of you here that do journal have seen that. You know, you're writing in your journal, and then you come here, and it's like, I remember uh, not too long ago when Troy had preached, and he was talking about just sitting at Jesus' feet. And every year, uh, every month, I try to go back and read my journal. What was God doing that month? And I said to Troy that day, I said, you were in my journal the whole month. He's like, what? I said, it was all the same theme, just sitting at his feet. So that encouraged him to know that he heard from the Lord for the church, but it encouraged me too that, yeah, I'm hearing from you. You know, so journal and then write these things down because it will help you to see how to hear from the Holy Spirit. Obey, resolve to obey every word God speaks to you through the scripture, or if he's moving you in a certain way, like what happened on Sunday with me and Justin, Love, tell him over and over that you're doing it all for love. Jesus, I'm doing this because I love you. I would not do this if I didn't love you. I would do something else. I wouldn't be here in Dry Ridge, Kentucky if I didn't love you. <laughs> I'd be in New York taking care of my parents. <laughs> So fast, fast occasionally could be food, social media, shopping, talking too much, too much, <laughs> so much, routine, arrange the elements of your prayer routine into a set order that follow that and follow that format daily. That is, could be hard with kids. So, you know, if you can't, you can't, but if you can, just, I like to hold everything like this. 
because God likes to shake things up and change things around and you got to be okay with it. You really have to be okay with it. So, because he doesn't want us to get into religious activities. So he'll shake things up so we don't. <laughs> so we don't. Endure. Always keep sowing to the secret place, even when not inspired. This is so important. Knowing that eventually you're going to reap a harvest. Sometimes we could be like, well, I don't feel it, so I'm not. But do it anyway. That was something that was drilled into us years ago. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. And I'm so thankful. Do it anyway. Even if I'm like, Lord, I just read that whole page and I don't even know what I read. I can't tell you how much that, that happens to me a lot. It's like, Lord, it's like something's wrong with my brain. I'm not retaining anything. But you do it anyway, and then you'd be surprised when the opportunity presents itself. It's just there. God's word is there. I wrote this scripture here for this Bible study. It's from Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. For as the rain comes down and snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. He said it. He said it through the prophet Isaiah. Lord, you said. doesn't matter how I feel. You said. So I'm going to sit here and do this every day and just trust you for the increase. You said. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. And then grow. Receive grace to keep growing in prayer all your days because there's so much more. There's so much more. So I know that was a lot for the first class, but we have like left over from last week, that last part, the 20 day reset. So you can do that if you want. I did it and it was such a blessing doing it. So God has really blessed me to it. So I just wanted to share that with you all. So this is a long recording. Bye, whoever's listening online, we're gonna close in prayer.